it seems like weeks ago that uh, uh, Pastor Marika came up. But I just again wanted to say how good last Sunday was and the time spent receiving from the ministry gift um, that was uh, Pastor Marika Court. You know, that's such an essential thing is to determine that you're going to receive from the ministry gift and, uh, and, and, and get your heart into a, a place of expectation. Uh, turn to your neighbour and say, expectation is faith. Expectation is faith. That's right. And, you know, we get to that place of, to receive and to expect and expect that God's going to do something very special. I must uh, let you know how she shared and said she was really blessed by her time here and wanted to thank you as a church um, as she went back down to Perth sharing a good report of uh, all that the Lord is doing here in Broome. And, and um, you know, wasn't it also good to have and to hear her share how she persevered with the love message? Did you, get, did you catch that little bit? Oh, my ears pricked up. My ears pricked up. Persevered with the love message. Because sometimes you can find yourself feeling that you're going on about it too much. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, when you consider that it's the new commandment, I don't think we ever can bang on about it too much or go on about it too much. But she persevered and how that message uh, brought the meetings uh, that she was having and of course that were allocated to her in the weekend ministry at Victory Life uh, Perth, um, that, that brought those meetings into a fresh sense and, and Holy Spirit flow of joy. You remember that part? She was talking about that. And it's like they broke through into another arena and... Um, you know, love is first in the kingdom of God. You get that wrong and so much becomes wrong, you know. Get that first part wrong and it's like there's a follow on from there. If we can't walk and carry ourselves in love, so much starts to um, go wrong. We get out of step. We get out of alignment with our heavenly father because he's beaming out love right across um, you know, uh, churches, right across communities, right across townships, right across regions, he's beaming out love. And, you know, if we come up, we turn up without love, we turn up with judgment, criticism, you know, finding fault. God's not pleased. I tell you, you find yourself out of alignment with the Father. And we've got to watch that. Love is first in the kingdom. Even when you think, of the fruit of the Spirit over in the book of Galatians. Uh, those fruits that are listed there are all expressions of love in us. And, um, you know, I, I think back to, I think my final assignment in 1991, 30 years ago, final assignment that I handed in, and the Lord had shown me how uh, and I was looking for it this morning. I was trying to looking through my archives of folders and notes from Bible College days, and um, I had written uh, an assignment on the fruit of the spirit, and it was um, uh, love. Love in us is joy. Love in us is is long suffering. Love in us is patient. Love in us is and it actually just identified how that those those fruits of the spirit. Uh, talked about in Galatians are all expressions of God's love in us toward others. Amen. And you think about it, you look at it, and um, and and consider. And of course, uh, love is joy as well. You know, when we start to walk in love, there's a joy to it. Love is patient toward others. Love is peaceful, 
and uh, as Marika found out very much in her services that it breaks through into a joy that can even become a, a move of the spirit in our midst. Um, I, I want to just to echo a few things because the message last week synchronised to where we were also the week before. So quite, I quite loved hearing that message from Marika and as much as that dovetailed into a lot of what we'd been saying in our current series of walking with God. You know, we have all been called to walk with God. Amen? Who loves their walk with God? Half of us. Great. Okay, now. <laughs> Okay, that's why we're here, you know, it's a bit educational here in church this morning, amen. And um, uh, in our uh, current series, um, we're we're moving into an understanding is that we cannot even love people where they are unless we first receive the love that God has for us. And there's a scripture uh, that actually deals directly with that, isn't it? Uh, The love that we should express toward others needs to be the same love that he loved us with. Marika quoted from Romans uh, 5 and verse 8. Let me get my clicker. Romans 5 verse 8, great scripture. And, uh, you know, it's one that we all should know. But God demonstrates his, his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. She quoted that, and I thought that was a good quote. And uh, so, yes, exactly. I said there was a a nice synchronisation there with Sheena's message. So thank you, Sheena, hearing from God. Um, It's a great verse because it tells us that no one ever deserves God's love, and yet he chose to love us. There you go. No one ever deserves his love, but he chose to love us. And we must not be the end point for that love as well. This is what we have to realise. God's love toward us can't stop with us. It should flow from us to others as well. And um, all of us need to let it flow through us to others. You know, you have to let it flow. You know, when you're in situations, when you're in circumstances, that love needs to come out of us and flow into others. Loving others where where they are is a standard here at Victory Life. So I believe are good standards. It, it, it puts a cushion around our relationships. When we decide we're just going to love someone where they are, it may not be where we like them to be or where we'd prefer them to be, but we're just going to love them where they are. And it's a great cushion in the way that we relate to one another and get on with one another. And, and of course, in that, there's faith because we're expecting and hoping that maybe they'll get out of where they are if where they are is particularly irritating to us. Amen. Just, just speaking the truth here today, you might want to tighten your seatbelts, you know, because um, we might touch in on a few truths. But we need to um, uh, recognise, a little, a little recap um, from two weeks back, uh, 1 John and chapter 4 and verse 19 to 21, it says that we love because he first loved us. That's why we can love. You don't love because you were brought up real sweet and nice and your parents taught you kindness. The scripture says here we love because he first loved us. That's talking about his love coming out from us, that unconditional un, uh, love. If anyone says, I love God but hates his brother, he's a liar. So this is where you need to examine hate in your life, you know, where you just, just can't get on with someone. You know, I watch for that word hate because this says you haven't received the love of God. It makes you a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. 
And we have this commandment from him, whoever loves God must love his brother as well. And that's sisters as well, ladies. All right, don't think that, well, the ladies are sitting there, well, you guys better get this right because this scripture is really talking to you, you know. But it's, it's not on that basis at all, is it? And um, we need to remind ourselves that the love walk we're called to requires us to walk in love like God. You know, we have, a, we have an example. His love and forgiveness is extended to everyone, every single person. God's love and forgiveness extended uh, to them. And we, we need to imitate that. We need to find the way of imitating that love that God has for others in our own lives. And, you know, I, look, I'm not saying it's easy. I, I'd be the last one to say, oh, this is a piece of cake. Oh, not at all. I know that it's a tough gig to love some people. But we're called to it. So we just need to roll up our sleeves and get into the groove and, and keep moving with God. He prayed for those that mocked him as he was dying. There's our example. They were mocking him on the cross. As he was dying, nailed to the cross, he had people down at the bottom of the cross hurling abuse at him. You know, hurling, you know, slander and mocking him. And his prayer was not, just you wait until I come back. Not at all, was it? You know, I'll get you. It wasn't. It was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. We must first receive God's love expressed to us in forgiveness before we can ever expect God to reach others with God's love through us. And there's the, there's the understanding. We're called to imitate him. The Greek word mamatis, a little bit of a recap from the two weeks ago. The Greek word mamatis uh, means that we're to mimic him. You know, mimic what do you like when someone hurls abuse at you? Roll up your sleeves and get into it with them. Give them just as good as they gave you. Now that's the world's way, isn't it? Um, we're to imitate God in this. Imitate the Lord Jesus Christ in the way that he behaved. Ephesians 5 and verse 1 to 2, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. And what? Walk in love. And walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. God did not reach us with judgment. Have you noticed that? God didn't reach us with his judgment. He didn't come, at, you know, uh, come and collect us with a big stick. That's not how he did it. He reached us with his love. And we should look to mimic that same love wherever we go and in all of our relationships, mimic that same love. Even people that annoy you, you know, and irritate you, rub your fur the wrong way, are people that deserve God's love. And we should be looking to um, uh, develop that discipline in our lives. It is the difficult part. You know, the Apostle Peter struggles with so much with the need to love others that he asked Jesus if there was a limit to that love that he should show others you know Jesus is there a cap to this can we say after this and no longer how many of you know what I'm talking about 
you know what I'm talking about. Matthew 18:21. And Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Peter's thinking he's being very long suffering. Seven times and then we can just cap it off. And then it's, you know, we just get revenge after that. But Jesus said to him, verse 22, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. 490 times. After that, you're good to go. You know, you, that's it. Cap it off there. If you can put up, put up with someone for 490 transgressions against you, that's it. And you know, and I know because you're smiling, I know that, that you know that wasn't the cap. 490 first time is when you can really get back at them. You know, remembering the 490 times that they did something against you. That's not how it works. That's not a cap. Jesus was just playing on the numbers. 70 times 7. The truth is we need to work through our differences with others by all means. You know, do that. But what we learn from Jesus' answer is this, is you never get to stop loving. We never get to stop forgiving. And that's a challenge for every single one of us that walked into church today is that we all have the same task ahead of us. Even those that came at you with evil intent. Ever had anyone come against you with evil intent? And you know it, they knew it, and they knew that you knew, and it was evil intent. Jesus even covered that category. You know, we're not just talking about someone who sat in your seat on church. Uh, on church on Sunday, you know, they're sitting in my seat. Don't they know that's my seat? Surely they've seen me sitting there before. Well, I guess I'll just go and sit somewhere else, you know, and off you go and, you know, you don't get to sit in your seat on Sunday. We're not talking about things like that. We're talking about real evil and, um, you know, where someone determines that they're going to do something against you and they plot it, strategize it. And, um, you know, I don't know about anyone else, but I have had evil intent aimed at me. You the same? Most people have because evil's in the world. Actually, Jesus, uh, uh, sorry, the, the scripture says that the scripture says that that the um, that the heart of man is continuously evil. That's why we needed to be born again and get a change of heart. Amen. Even for those that come at you with evil, even at uh, for those that uh, came at you with deliberate harm in mind, Jesus covered that. And here is the litmus test. And this is what the Lord spoke to me that actually really, really said something um, about this message being on the love, uh, uh, on the love theme. Here's a litmus test for our walk with uh, our love walk with the Lord. Some of you need to receive this as a word from the Lord. Uh, and, and he gave it to me earlier this week so you'd understand. You will know when you are imitating God correctly, when you are able to bless those that persecute you, and when you're able to pray for your enemies. That's when you're imitating the Father. Because that's what he does, you see. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus rose from the dead and now ever lives to make intercession for us. 
So those people that are out there, there's just love continuing to be poured out toward them, extended out toward them. That spirit of adoption, he wants to bring them in as sons and daughters. And where to hook up with that, where to align ourselves with that and uh, ensure that we follow with it. And you'll know when you're imitating God correctly, when you're able to bless those that persecute you and able to pray for your enemies. When was the last time you prayed for an enemy? Yesterday. Okay, great, right? Good, good. Doing the word. But just think about that. When was the last time you prayed for an enemy? Someone that you've determined is an enemy against you, have evil intent toward you. When was the last time you prayed for them? You know, you know it, it, it's a great day in your Christian life when you are no longer determined to get revenge, when you are no longer determined to get payback. You know, it's, it's a great day when, uh, you know, if, if, where you no longer want any satisfaction by, by uh, giving them your mind, speaking your mind, yelling, screaming, etc., etc. It's a great day when you um, overcome that and decide, I'm just going to pray for them, uh, that person. I'm just going to pray for them. I don't need anything more than to know that I've actually taken a request for blessing to, at, to the Father and left it with him. And you say, well, what good will that do? It's certainly not going to give you payback. It's not going to give you a sense of revenge. But it's given it to the Father who's going to do something about it. And you watch, he shifts things. He moves things. He'll change that situation. And next thing you know, you'll be walking in reconciliation. Just when you thought that was an enemy forever, you know. You know, we can't live in revenge and payback anymore. Trying to score points in a game against our enemies won't help you. Don't try and score points. Don't have a, well, that's one for me and none for them. That's two for me and none for them. Don't play that game in your head because it's not going to get you where God wants you. Amen. I like uh, Romans chapter 12. And verse 14, it says, bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. This is the Apostle uh, Paul speaking here to the church at Rome. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. You see, the way up in the kingdom of God is humility. Amen. The way up is down, humbling yourself. Romans uh, 12 and verse 17 to 19 says, Repay no evil for evil. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. That belongs to God. You know, that doesn't belong to us, to get revenge, to get payback. Romans 12, verse 20 to 21, that says, Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Look what it says in verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
Praise the Lord. Um, in 2003, I, I did a, a number of trips over to uh, uh, Indonesia, uh, Jakarta, uh, places um, that at the time, Pastor uh, Margaret, I was down there in the leadership team, and Pastor Margaret wanted to open up some opportunities for planting Bible colleges in other nations. And in actual fact, I went out and did a fair bit of travel over the next few years, um, probably right up to about 2007. I was sort of going to different places and Sri Lanka and Africa and Indonesia was uh, certainly some among those places. But um, in the trip to Indonesia in 2003, we quickly uh, developed a, uh, a good connection and a good relationship with a lady uh, who had a radio ministry that went right out across Indonesia and uh, and she had um, you know I met her in Jakarta and then the next she invited me to come back and do a, a Bible college graduation in her church um, and uh, or in the city of Jakarta where she was doing outreaches I couldn't keep up with her she was so busy you know she had childcare centers and she had bible colleges planted all over the place and she was looking to connect with us in perth and uh, our bible college down there and uh she she invited me to come uh to her um to her uh, home church in a little place called solo near surabaya and uh solo in in java there and the way you got there was by a train and we just thought well we'd you know do the train trip now I have been in some pretty hot places, and Broome uh, would be number probably the highest. But the next highest would be the Jakarta train station in the middle of summer, um, nine o'clock at night. It was, it was so hot. It was so hot, and it was dark, and you know, and I couldn't believe how hot it was. Anyway, we got on this train, and we travelled all night long, and everybody did the same thing. I got on this train. Every, every, everyone that was on the train was doing the same thing. As soon as I got on the train, there was a little rug that was on their seat, and you grab the rug and you lay on the floor and go to sleep. <laughs> That's what everyone did. And then in the morning, as we woke up and was, you know, after trying to get some sleep through the night, uh, as we travelled this train trip to Surabaya, uh, they said to me, don't, don't, because all the windows were darkened out. You couldn't see through the windows. They said, don't, put your head near the, uh, near the glass because people throw stones. I said, what? I couldn't believe it. They said, yeah, the people that live near the, near the train track throw stones. And I said, I couldn't believe that they were saying that. And next thing, surely, 30 seconds later, bang, there's this, you know, bang on the window and there's a crack on the, on the glass from people throwing stones. I couldn't believe the timing of it, but I remember it very well. And, uh, and so here we were, uh, we had a little bit of time to just freshen up. I went to one of the pastor's homes and they let me freshen up a little bit before we were going to do a bit of a tour of her home church. And I could not believe, as we went to her home church, I walked into this palatial, palatial uh, auditorium. Marble floors, marble beams, it was just amazing and big probably two, three times the size of this with a mezzanine floor. And, and I, I said to, I said to the, uh, the pastor, uh, Pastor Mary, I said, Pastor Mary, whose church is this? She looked at me very, very humbly and said, mine. <laughs> I, just, I was just astounded. Um, and what I learnt from her was something very, very special because there we were in the most populous Muslim nation in the world. Most populous. 
And I asked her because, you know, I'd been going in and out of um, Timor, uh, West Timor, which is the most Christianised province in the most, po uh, the most Muslim, uh, populous, uh, most populous Muslim country in the world. So the most Christianised, and I've been going in and out of there and we're talking about Muslims and they're sort of saying, well, there aren't hardly any here. We're mostly Christian here in, uh, in uh, uh, West Timor. And um, there are big numbers of uh, Christians in West Timor. And so I, I've been going in and out of there and I'd sort of experienced a little bit of that. But here was this situation where, uh, you know, she as an evangelist. And I said, she says, I've been here for 20 years and built this church and had a great testimony how God provided to build this wonderful church. And, and she said, I said, well, what about all the Muslims around? She says, oh, well, they do persecute you. It was like just the just off the cut. Oh, they do persecute you. I was really interested in that, and so um, I'd kind of seen the Muslim uh, uh, involvement therein as being quite against the church, and and so my thinking along those lines was, well, what do you do to counter these uh, uh, Muslims who would? do bad things and she had a lot of stories about churches that have been persecuted and and even physically harmed um, uh, in Indonesia and in her churches she says well we just do good to them I said you what do you mean she goes well we take food to them and we uh, go knocking door to door but that was how she built her church she won Christians to the Lord by doing good by by loving them and I and she said to me she said um, we'll never win them to Jesus if we don't show them the love of Jesus. And it was just such a revelation again to me because I'd sort of seen how Christians have to be almost combative and be ready to be combative in places like Indonesia. But she had such a wisdom. She said it with such humility. And not only that, but you could tell she lived it. She actually put it into practice. And so I was really blessed by that. And, um, and I remember we continued to, to work with her ministry over a number of years. And um, it was very precious. And she was a humble lady. And she would fly here, fly there. I'd say, oh, uh, I'll, I'll come up and see you again sometime soon. And she says, well, I'm going to be at this, over in this place. I'll be in Sulawesi for six months, so you won't be able to come up. And so there's all these um, amazing uh, works that she was doing, all for the kingdom of God. And uh, with this humble heart and a realisation that if you're going to do anything in, in Indonesia, you're going to have to do it with the love of God. You're not going to be able to do it any other way. This is the walk that we're called to. It's the love walk. Okay? And it's a walk that affects our prayer life as well. If we won't walk in love, we'll find our prayers also being hindered. Hindered. And uh, we need to uh, recognise that. First Peter uh, chapter 3 and verse 7 says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honour to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That your prayers. So this is for the husbands and wives this morning. Just know when you're having that little tiff, Okay, your prayers are being marred. Just know when you're having that little, you know, discontentment and allowing that and just saying, well, that's okay, it's not okay because your prayers are hindered. So we've got to get back to that peaceful place very quickly and agreement and, and get on the same page because we don't want our prayers hindered. And of course, Jesus. Um, you know, as you know, uh, was one that was all about peace. What is he called? The Prince of Peace. You know, 
And that comes through love, praise the Lord. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit as well. And in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, it says this. Only a couple of scriptures to go this morning. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. So what's one of the biggest uh, uh, ingredients uh, to your prayer life? Anyone got an answer? One of the biggest ingredients, one of the most important ingredients to your prayer life is faith. Absolutely. And we have to make sure that our, our, uh, our prayer is not hindered through our lack of love because faith uh, works through love. And Jesus gives his own disciples a very, very practical lesson on how faith works over in Mark 11. And you know the story, you should know the story. And, uh, you know, Jesus and his disciples are on a, uh, a ministry journey. Jesus decides to pick a fig off a fig tree. And, of course, it has no fruit on it. And then demonstrates the power of words. And, of course, also, uh, you know, from a believing heart. That's the lesson for his disciples at the time. But what we should see is that walking by faith has a condition to it. There is a condition to walking by faith. We must walk by love if we want our praying and our saying and, uh, uh, to work. Jesus teaches it right here in this place. And we'll just look at it just in closing today. Mark 11 and verse 20 to 21. It says, Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So the very next day, there's this fig tree starting to wither away because he'd cursed it. Now watch carefully how Jesus teaches two separate applications of faith from this verse. Faith that says or says and faith that prays. The two. How many of you know that you can, you can launch uh, the faith in your heart with the words that you speak? The way that you speak, the way that you say. You know, it's not just praying, it's also saying. We can decree and declare a thing and it will be done by our Heavenly Father. Amen? And of course, uh, faith that prays. We're always praying, we're always communicating with the Father and, and praying. But um, Mark eleven twenty two, and uh, we'll just go there. It says, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, there's the saying part, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Look what he goes on to say in verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, so he's now covering the praying part, believe that you receive them and you will have them. If you want your faith to work, love needs to work. All right. If you want your faith to work, your love needs to work as well. So just when you're about to make that great declaration and that great decree, just about when you're about to pray that, that most important prayer that you so need to be fulfilled, how's your love walk is a question. We need to ask ourselves. We need to analyse what's going on in our own hearts and check that out for ourselves. How's your love walk? Look what it says, and I'll finish on this, Mark 11, verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also 
forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Now right there, you know, right there we see the hindrance to our prayer. Our prayers are hindered when we're trying to, you know, work the kingdom of God, uh, uh, you know, in, on earth, trying to work and, and operate by the principles of faith and speaking the word, etc. Our prayer is hindered straight away if we've got unforgiveness towards someone else. You know, whenever you get into a situation where you're going to either say what God says, aligning yourself to a promise of God, by confessing God's word or whenever you set yourself into a place to pray over a need or a circumstance, check yourself out, you know. Do a quick uh, scan, self-scan. Just check to see where you're at. Do I have a grudge? Someone said you can nurse grudges, but they won't get better. It's true. They don't get better. Here's another one. Am I plotting revenge? Now, revenge can take many, many forms. Revenge might be a cold shoulder. Have you ever felt someone give you a cold shoulder? (laughs) I think I might have given them once or twice too. You know, maybe you're the same. You could think when you've given someone the cold shoulder, you know, and that's the avoidance. You know, what you're really saying is I want you to know I'm hurt. I want you to know I've been, you know, felt I, I feel damaged by what you've done so what we'll do is we'll communicate them with a cold shoulder interesting isn't it do I have some unforgiveness that I'm holding on to and then if you're able to say yes I have there's something to do the Bible talks about just releasing that As someone you know uh, you know someone that you, you that's in that category for you. What do you need to do? Well, number one, I believe based on the word of the Lord today, it's bless them as quickly as you can. Get to a place where you're blessing them, even if it's just in your prayer life to start with. Just start to speak and say, uh, you know, Lord, I just bless them. I just bring them before you today, Lord, and I ask that you bless their day. You know, make, make their day fantastic, Lord. Just start to say something really nice about them, you know. Think of the good things about them and thank the Lord for those good things. Even if they've hurt you badly, pray for them from your heart and forgive them, most importantly. Say, Lord, what they did, for, what they did to me, Lord, I forgive. I'm just going to let that go now, Lord. I'm no longer holding them to account for what they did. And you know what? He'll do the rest. It's amazing, you know, that's... As we know in this church, been around this church for a while, if we'll do our part, God will do his part. And that's the change, the shift, the, the, perhaps the reconciliation too. And, uh, and bring about an adjustment. You know, it's so very important that we see how that we can be um, manipulative in our emotions. How many of you know what I'm talking about? that we can recognise how manipulative we can be in our emotions in wanting to get back at someone for something that's been done to us. We have to, have to recognise that we're all capable of doing that. And then, once we realise that that's us, just go in the other direction. Go in the other direction as fast as you can. 
get out of that type of behaviour because it's not love. Amen? Amen. Bless them, pray for them and he will give the increase in that area because it's doing what we should do and he'll do his part. You know, he wants to get our prayer life back on track today. And that's the thing that's at risk is our ability to pray and pray effectively. The Bible says that the, you know, uh, the, the, um, the prayers of a, a righteous man avail much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So in other words, our prayer life in our Christian life is vital. It's powerful. And if we'll get it right and we'll get it aligned to the word of God and make sure that there's no unforgiveness holding us back, watch out. You'll see answered prayer. You know, as we sung when we first came in here uh, this morning, all things are possible. As we start to pray from the heart of God. Amen. Start praying his will. And uh, without any hindrances stopping us. Amen. Why don't we, uh, why don't we all stand uh, to our feet? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Why don't we just all stand to our feet? I want to just pray. And this will be an opportunity for us all to maybe deal with our own hearts. Our own hearts this morning. And uh, maybe some self-analysis. Maybe an area where we know that we need to, and you couldn't wait for me to finish this sermon so you could go and deal with it in your prayer, your prayer life. But maybe this is an opportunity today. So why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, we all come to you today in Jesus' name. We come boldly to your throne room, Father. We come, Father, with that heart to, to Lord, um, just bear our heart before you to come and, and uh, Lord, even confess uh, areas where we've been uh, weak in our flesh, allowed uh, unforgiveness to get a grip in our lives where we shouldn't. Lord, that we've um, uh, determined that, Father, we are um, not where we should be uh, in our prayer life. And Lord, today we want to do something about it. Today we want to make a change. Today we want to uh, uh, be set free from uh, that bondage and and Lord, even a grudge that we've held for a long time. Lord, this, we declare this to be the day that we're just going to let it go. Lord, uh, no longer uh, keep the account of it, Father. But Father, even form up from within our hearts a, a, a fresh prayer for those that have harmed us, those that have hurt us. Lord, those that have had evil intent against us, Father. Lord, we bring before you there even just... just even if I encourage you now, just picture them and, and just picture them standing before the Lord, being dealt with by Him. That's His part. You know, the heap, you know, the heaping of the coals where they feel convicted in their hearts. Just just allow yourself just to see that occurring. And not getting so much a joy from it, but seeing how that they're being restored. Father, we thank you that you restore them today in Jesus' name. That you do your work in their hearts change you change the circumstance lord we we pray that you change the relationship lord that you bring reconciliation and lord we thank you that even as a congregation together we're blessed when you do lord we're blessed father when your people dwell together in unity father we're blessed when your people walk in love toward one another so lord we pray this today in jesus name and lord that you would work amongst us and and uh, through us lord 
Lord, that we would always be ministers of reconciliation wherever we go. Lord, helping others to get onto this place and, uh, and being free from those that, Lord, have um, spoken ill of us or, or hurt us or harmed us and rubbed us the wrong way, Lord, that we would be set free from it today in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, it's just time just to still wait and reflect. So don't rush off and head off in another direction just right now. Just um, just um, uh, sit, sit and maybe let the Lord continue to minister your heart just as we finish this song. And I'm going to make a, a little invitation for you today. If you're here today and you've never, never um, uh, yet made that commitment, a close, heartfelt commitment to Jesus, there's a time and an opportunity for you to do that today. And we call it the prayer of salvation. And it's a simple prayer that you can pray that brings you into that close and sweet relationship with Him. And uh, I just encourage you to, uh, uh, to pray that, pray that from your heart. And uh, I'd love to have you come on down the front and pray that uh, with you personally. So um, uh, there will be an opportunity after we finish this song. If you have any prayer needs, come on down the front as well. If you'd just like someone to stand and agree and pray with you, uh, there's opportunity. But let's just go out singing this last song.